The scripture today comes from the hymn book that Jesus used. It is from the book of Psalms. Psalm 95, chapters 1 through 7. Excuse me, Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we, the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and the hearing of His Word. Father, that is our prayer, that uh, we would be touched this morning by Your Holy Spirit's work among us. As your word is living and active, may it be so in this place, among these people, your people, in our hearts that are softened even now, and feet that are quick and ready to respond, we pray. May it be so in our lives for your glory and honor this day and forever. Amen. Part of the psalm that uh, Craig read for us, Psalm 95, um, ushers an invitation to come, to come and be with God, to come and walk with God. Our focus this morning is Psalm 100, uh, Psalm 93 and 95 through 99 really um, uh, crescendo into the 100th Psalm. And uh, as we get there this morning, our concept, our thought for the day is thankfulness. Of course, Thursday is our celebration of Thanksgiving, and what I want us to think about this morning together is what does it mean to have thank-filled living? What does it mean to walk in a journey of thankfulness? And I want to start with just a simple, very um, small story that for me at least highlighted uh, this issue um, in some of the the very small issues of life, but the bulk of our life tends to be the smaller issues, I have found. I uh, recently had some responsibilities that uh, were time-sensitive, and uh, arranging a meeting that was necessary, there was a sequence of events that had to happen, and arranging a meeting to clarify some questions uh, proved to be difficult. And after three weeks of not being able to uh, fulfill some of my responsibilities, my frustration began to increase because I felt I had just gone through 21 days that were lost forever, never to be reclaimed. My responsibilities still were there. The internal clock was ticking, yet I couldn't proceed. Finally, however, I was able to arrange a meeting, and I learned that in the process of that conversation that due to some other factors that I really wasn't as far behind as I had thought. Now the next day as I was praying, God helped me to see, I wasn't even really thinking about it, but God wanted me to, He helped me to see that 
what I had thought were three lost weeks were actually a gift from his hand. You see, at the same time, it uh, became quite clear to me that my wife Susan um, had a very heavy season of work which demanded a lot more of her than usual, and it led to my being needed more uh, around the home, more responsibilities for our kids, catching up on my own work uh, at night. And in that moment of prayer, in that moment of clarity, it's as if God was smiling down to me and saying, Bryce, don't you see that these three weeks were a gift? And I don't often laugh when I pray, but it's so fun when I do, because in that moment I began to pray, and all I could think to say wasn't anything clever, it wasn't anything profound, it was just a very simple thank you, God. Thank you for being so good. And even the small things of life, and those small things that accumulate become the bulk of our living. Now, we are usually grateful for isolated events, a kindness that is offered. We like to write thank you notes. But living daily with thankfulness can sometimes be elusive. Some of us carry a sense of entitlement or uh, we get frustrated because assumptions that we carry into situations uh, turn out to be unfounded. Maybe our plans get interrupted or our timetables are not honored. The 100th Psalm this morning invites us into living that is drenched with thanksgiving, soaked in thankfulness, gripped with gratitude because of God's good grace. Thank-filled living. Thank-filled living, we read in verse 3 of Psalm 100, when it says, Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, and we are His, we are His people, the sheep of his pasture. Thank-filled living orders loves properly in life. In other words, those things which capture our heart, those things which uh, we truly value, those things which actually motivate our living and behavior, thank-filled living is a process of ordering loves properly. Augustine, uh, in his confessions, gave us this phrase of disordered love. He talked about uh, sinful patterns in life, often uh, stemming out of loves that have become disordered and uh, poorly arranged in our lives. In other words, he would say that we seek happiness and satisfaction from things that in their very nature cannot satisfy or make us happy. You see, Augustine recognized that as we love in our hearts, so we are. And he writes this, that my weight is my love, and by it I'm carried wheresoever I am carried. You see, for Augustine, there was unholy, disordered love that led to an ungodly, disordered life. But there was also a holy, rightly ordered love that led to a godly, ordered life. For Augustine, our loves are determined, our lives are determined by our loves, whether they be disordered or rightly ordered. In our recent study, The, uh, the Reason for God, Tim Keller picks up this idea and he goes on with a simple description of what it means to have disordered love. He said, you know, some of us have a, a love for work and making money, which in itself is, is good and okay. But when that love and pursuit eclipses 
other things that uh, are, are more primary to life, such as uh, taking time uh, away from family, and it, it destroys uh, relationships with a spouse or, or with children, then that sort of disordered love and disproportionate priority in life then has profoundly negative impact on our life. For me, a picture that helps capture this is is that of a Wi-Fi signal. Have you ever been in a coffee shop where you're searching for a Wi-Fi signal? You've pulled out your phone or your laptop, and um, if your computer's like mine, it, it has a shape that's kind of like this. And uh, if, if your Wi-Fi is connected, then it has these bars that uh, sort of these arching lines that go up, and, and the more bars you have, the better connection you have, the stronger the connection is, the more capacity you have to actually uh, do the work that you need to do and want to do. And so when you get in and you begin to try to uh, connect, it's so important that you have these things illumined uh, for you. Because if you're rooted here, if you're rooted right here and you're connected properly, then that allows a flowering of your capacity to be and to work. Uh, If you don't, nothing you do on the computer is right. But if you are connected, then all the bars light up. It's the same in our life. When we're connected properly, when God is ordered properly as number one in our lives, then our lives pulsate with activity. Everything is in order around that right connection. So when we go and order our loves properly, it leads us to a deepened understanding of God's identity. In verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord is God. This is the God of creation, the God of the flood, the God of the exodus, the God of promise-making. God who was God during the pain and humiliation of exile. God during the long period of waiting for Messiah. God who has answered promises. God who has come to us in Christ Jesus. God who has died for your sins and mine. God who has defeated death. God who has healed wounds. God who defends the meek. He is the God who is leader and lover. God who is strong and worthy of honor and respect that we give him. But not only in ordering our loves properly do we get a deepened understanding of who God is, but we get a deeper understanding of who God has called us to be, not just individually, but who he is fashioning us to be as a community. In verse 3 it says, It is God who has made us, and we are his. Other uh, translations have said, and not we ourselves. It's not us alone who says, I like Craig, and I like Francesca, and I I like Bill, and I want to connect my life to you. That's not the way God puts together a church and puts together a community of faith. It is God coming and, and bringing life to you through Christ and joining your hearts together, our hearts together, so that we are His. It is God's design. It is God who created the, the community of Israel after the Exodus and in the shadow of Mount Sinai and the giving of the Ten Commandments and the forming of a community and how that group of people ought to work together. And it is God who calls together the church and says, you are my people, my possession. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we read, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him 
who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, thank-filled living begins with properly ordered loves in your life. Thank-filled living also asks a question. It asks the question of whose invitation. Uh, In verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Well, whose gates? It's a picture of uh, temple worship. It's a picture of approaching the, uh, the symbolic picture of God's presence among the people, entering his gates with thanksgiving. One of my favorite movies as a child was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the old Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder, right? Yeah, Gene Wilder version. And uh, you may recall, if you've seen that particular film, uh, the... Um, the sort of uh, marketing gimmick of uh, sending out uh, chocolate bars, and there were five special bars out there with golden tickets. And if you received one of the golden tickets, then you could go at a particular assigned date, go to the gate of the factory, and you would be granted access into that place. Now, um, the difference between that invitation and God's invitation is that those golden tickets were somewhat random, and they were impersonal. The thing with God's invitation is that it's not random, and it's highly personal. It's an invitation given with your name written upon it to come into God's presence, to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And you see in Willy Wonka, those who arrived at the gate, if you didn't have the golden ticket, there was no entry, no admittance. But if you had one of those five precious golden tickets, guess what? You got to get a tour of the factory. In Eugene Peterson's version of the the translation of the Bible, the message, this verse is translated this way. Enter with the password. Thank you. Say it with me. Thank you. Let's do it again. Thank you. You stand at the gate of God and the password is thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise Thank Him. Worship Him is how the message translates the fourth verse of Psalm 100. You see, God invites us into His life. And therein is the question, whose invitation is it? It's God inviting you and me into His life more than us inviting Him into our lives. Now, it could be helpful to think about when I'm at work, Where is God at my workplace? And where is God in the relationship in this this particular encounter? And and those can be good things to think about. But more often than that, the uh, the Bible speaks mostly about uh, not just me inviting God into the sphere of my life, but God ushering me into his life and into his world. And the result is that our worlds become expanded. We get to see a a broader expanse of life, a deeper understanding of God's work and my place in God's work. That is God's invitation. Whose invitation? It's not just my invitation. God, come into my life. But it's thank you, God. I arrive at your gates with thanksgiving on my lips, and you've invited me into your life and into your world. And with gratitude, I step into that world. Teach me 
hold me by the hand, walk with me. That is thank-filled living. Thank-filled living also delights in God's enduring love. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. In the 23rd Psalm, one of the most uh, well-known passages in all of the Scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. As, as the psalm flows through toward the end, it picks up this idea of God's love, His loving kindness. The Hebrew word is hesed love. It is God's uh, unconditional, unbroken love toward you and toward me. And in Psalm 23, it describes a, a, the fact that God's hesed love, His loving kindness, pursues you. It follows after you. It is what God uh, uses to track you down, both in the peaks and the valleys of life. We walk because God's love is good and it endures forever. Uh, In the lean and abundant seasons, God is good and his love endures forever. Not only is thank-filled living delighting in God's enduring love, but finally this morning, it is generous with praise. Thank-filled living is generous with praise. Back to verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Thank-filled living is generous with praise. One of the, the people, I've probably never met anybody who's more who has praise and uh, gratitude on his lips more than, than our beloved Pastor John Shouse. Have you ever met anybody who is more generous with his praise, more generous with genuine thankfulness um, in, in the gifts that he sees God placing in our lives? You see, the foundation of praise, why are we to praise? Because the foundation of praise is the ability to appreciate the abundance of God's presence and the good that he brings into our lives. That is the foundation of praise, thank-filled living is a life that is generous with praise, praise to God and thankfulness for his good love. Thankfulness is something that we obtain rather than attain. You see, when we are captured by Christ and drawn by his love, we respond with thank-filled living. It's just like the hymn that we sang this morning for the fruit of all creation. Toward the very end, it says, That love has found us. Thanks be to God. That love has found us, thanks be to God. Now, over 25 years ago, it's hard to imagine, uh, one of Hollywood's silliest, funniest movies, to me at least, was released called The Princess Bride. And uh, if you've ever watched The Princess Bride or if you're a, um, a follower of it in any way, you, you know that uh, there are many phrases that have become uh, captured in some of our uh, a common vernacular. Um, Gary Moon describes uh, the, the movie this way. He says, as the movie opens, we see the heroine going about chores on a farm. Her name is, anybody know? You remember? Buttercup. All right. So we have some fans, or at least some knowledgeable moviegoers. I know. Um, soon we meet a young man who works on the farm and answers to the name Farm Boy. Whenever Buttercup asks Farm Boy to do something for her, he always replies, as you wish. 
That's all he ever says to her. She speaks to him, and his only response is, as you wish. So as they grow into their hormones, Buttercup seems to be developing a crush on Farm Boy. One day, as he is about to leave the room, she asks him to fetch her a pitcher, which is within easy reach for her. Farm Boy walks over, then stares into her eyes, lifts the pitcher and whispers, as you wish. In that moment, returning his gaze, Buttercup realizes that every time he has said, as you wish, he was really saying, I love you. That's right. John Ortberg, in his book, he goes on, he says, For many centuries, those wisest among us about the spiritual life have insisted that this one line is the door that opens the heart to the presence of God. There is no greater expression of love than a freely submitted will. As you wish, God. Jean-Pierre de Cassaud writes, Every moment and in respect of everything we must say, like St. Paul, Lord, what shall I do? Let me do everything you wish. You see, at the heart of thank-filled living is a heart that whispers to God, as you wish. As we love God, as we are captured by His love, and we return His love with thankful, grateful lives and hearts, we are able to rejoice in praise. We are able to walk with Him in gladness and goodness. I want you to imagine a congregation full of full-time thankers. I know some of you uh, do this a whole lot better than I do. Imagine a group of people here whose hearts were overflowing consistently with gratitude toward God, whose eyes were squarely focused on the target of thankfulness, not just in isolated events or not just because a kindness has been given, but thank-filled living because of God's good love for you and for me. Imagine how this county, how this community would be changed and transformed and how the, the known of this place, the reputation of this place, of these people, when others look at us, they would say, wow, what a group of people that God has fashioned together. Look at how they rejoice. Look at how they are filled with thanks. Look at how they return God's love as you wish. As you wish. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for so much. God, we often, we often struggle with uh, things that shrink our world, that uh, focus ourselves so much on the smaller things of life. And we get bogged down there. We pray that um, we would not just focus on how we invite you into our lives, but we would step into and up to your gate and stand there with the, the password of thanksgiving to you, being embraced by your love and returning your love and saying thank you, walking with that day by day, a heart that overflows with thanksgiving to you. Fill us Make us aware of your presence. And as we are aware of your presence, may our lives bleed out thankful living. We do love you. Our hearts cry and want to say, as you wish. May it be every day. For we know thank-filled living is rooted in such a love response to you. Lord Jesus, it's in your name and for your sake that we pray together. Amen.